to nil, one goal to one, or nil to one goal, two. Oh my God, the guy that kicked Carl we met in the back scored a goal. If it happened this week in the Eastern Conference of the USL, we've got you covered. I am your host and uh, perpetual Romeo Parks down player, Evan Valella, joined uh, as always by the illustrious and totally actually a real person and not a robot, Ryan Allen. Hello. See? Totally a response that a human would say to another human <laughs> on being introduced as not a robot. It makes sense. Uh, we are Dohertyless again, which uh, is, is totally fine. I'm sure he's off enjoying better things than talking to two people at 1130 at night on a podcast. But filling in, uh, I'm Central. very excited. I've talked to this man so much, we might be in a relationship. Phil from, from St. Louis. Soccer Doing good, man. And uh, just in case you didn't yeah. know, it's actually 1030 at night. So, you know. Oh, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> 22.30. Time zone, I'm not used to yeah. the time zones. Come on. I, you know. I never have to. That's just like you East Coasters, just like forgetting what us Midwesterners do. It's a testament to how East Coast centric I am that I don't even realize that there's. Hey, man, why don't you talk about New York a little more? (laughs) You know? St. Louis is. (laughs) (laughs) Who are they? You know, they only have one team that plays there. It's the New York Cosmos. Mm -hmm. That's true. It's crazy. Yeah. It is. It's really weird. It's really weird. It's like they have three, but there's only Mm. one legitimate team. Anyway. Guys, like I said when I entered the show, um, unless you played on, on Sunday this week, basically, or sorry, last week in USL, um, you had a, a one and then either another one or a zero in your scoreline. Um, what I mean is uh, Toronto FC and Pittsburgh finished 1-1. Tampa and Rochester finished 1-1. You had Harrisburg and Ottawa finish uh, 1-0. Cincy and Charlotte drew 1-1. Charleston and Richmond was 1-0. Louisville-Charlotte was 1-0. And Orlando City B and Rochester was 1-1. So, gentlemen, um, uh, we call the uh, Phil for because you don't really know. We call the one nil a Ryan Allen special. Why is this? <laughs> uh, basically, every prediction that he gives every week. Is oh yes, actually, I did. Most know teams that. average around at least a few goal. Most teams average just around like a goal a match, so it you know, I find right. it unlikely for them to score so, more. Yeah. So really, like we we give him shit for it, but he's he's not wrong. Yeah. It's our um, fault for doubting it. Well, once a Jose Mourinho special. It, it is It is our fault for doubting our great <laughs> overlord, Ryan, in a very, um, you know, Skynet type thing. That's a reference. See, Ryan wasn't alive Terminator. when it came out. So. Terminator uh, 2, Judgment Day. There you go. All right. Well, he gets it, so that helps. Uh, guys, I guess what I'll, what I'll ask, and we'll get into a little discussion, instead of talking about, you know, how, oh, you know, Louisville scored one goal. They must be such a better team. I think there's a bit of a, a split that is happening or is about to happen, so get it on the bandwagon while you can. Um, the older teams play a very modest, you know, 1920s, if you show your ankles, it's scandalous kind of soccer. Uh, and these the, the newer sides that have MLS aspirations or even the MLS 2 sides are playing more um, attacking-minded soccer, more, you know, counterattack, uh, a high press. Um, and then I'm just wondering if I'm crazy in, in regards to that, not in general. And then if you guys, um, uh, you know, agree or disagree, or if you've, if you've seen the same. Yeah, I was actually, I was, I was literally thinking the same thing for the last couple of weeks because, you know, we're seeing a lot of, just like you said, those old, the older teams, you know, we're seeing people like Richmond, even like, I think of Ottawa a lot the the teams that kind of, mm. uh, do the old school soccer, you know, 
launching it long at times. Um, and then you get these these new teams like St. Louis is trying to be one of those new teams. Orlando City B, Red Bulls two, a lot of possession, holding onto the ball, playing the quote pretty soccer, um, getting a lot of possession. Tampa Bay, obviously one of the one of the best at it. And so I just keep wondering, you know, like after you mentioned that and after we talked about, say, Charleston, who doesn't have much possession at all, you know, and is capitalizing on that to the best degree in the USL, um, you know, take a look at someone like Chelsea, who just made a great run with almost no possession. I keep wondering if, like, maybe this bubble is going to burst where USL and American soccer is a little bit behind. And at some point we may catch up to that idea of, you know, it's already common knowledge. Possession isn't where it's at necessarily unless you got the talent to back it up to where eventually it's just going to happen. So, like, is that bubble going to burst in USL and in American soccer, even in MLS, to where, you know, counterattacking is super effective? I think it's interesting. I'm looking through the passing stats of the Eastern Conference Right now, if you look at the um, bottom five teams in the conference, those are Charlotte, Harrisburg, Charleston, Rochester, and Ottawa is it in the most completed, it was in completed passes, Ottawa being last. And they sit as in, like, three of those are old guard teams of Rochester, Charleston, and Harrisburg. But then if you go up and look at goals scored, you find Charleston and Ottawa both in the top five mm. of goals. Charleston, in fact, leads the conference. So it's a team that's at least built up that they don't like playing possession. Whereas if you look at teams at the top right. of the passing stats, it's Tampa Bay, New York, Toronto, Orlando, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh being the only old guard shield. And then when you go back up to goal score, Tampa Bay is the only one of those in the top five. But that's because they have the players that can back up exactly. that, that style of play. Mm-hmm. Herstroff, Cole. Yeah, that, right. that was kind of the... The pushback I had on, on that, you know, the the with Charleston being on top with with goals scored, is is for Charleston um, and for even Ottawa, I think, uh, but but definitely Charleston's kind of the better example here. If you take out for sure Romario Williams, um, but then also you know maybe because uh, I I think if you leave Portillo and Chang on that team, they would still bang in top five goals in the Eastern Conference. Um, but for sure, if you take those three guys out, I, that system doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I just... That's just... It's a really ugly-looking team. That's that's maybe true, but, um, you know, I, I just really think... I don't know for sure. I've only seen the one game against Charleston, but I was just so impressed by their game plan. I just constantly... I keep wondering about Charleston doing so well against everybody. Like, are they just a well-coached team? Because they handled us in the best possible way... And it wasn't necessarily Romario Williams the one that did it because I swear they would they knew what to do to us. We would throw all these guys forward. They'd get some kind of a turnover at some point, and the next thing you know, the ball's down the field to two or three guys counterattacking us, and they knew exactly who and when to send it. Um, like, and so I just keep wondering, like, those fast runners could be almost anybody, you know, and, and maybe they won't score as many goals as with Romario, Romario Williams, but for goodness sake, that game plan was so good. Uh, they got us good. So I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. if, if maybe that coach is just so solid. I don't even know his name, <laughs> but but I just thought they were really well <laughs> That's co- how solid coached. he is. Yeah. Uh, oh, who is that? 
Mike Anheuser, I, mean, I believe. Like Anheuser, yeah. Yes. Um, well, and, and so that's another kind of interesting idea, is, is it the coaching? Because, top of my head, I only know a couple. Brendan Burke for, for Bethlehem is incredibly young. He's in his mid, mid-30s. Um, Anheuser's not old. You got uh, Dave Brandt, who's been around for a while, but he was uh, coaching uh, Navy in college mm-hmm. soccer. And, you know, the college game's a little different in that possession does kind of equate to to wins and goals. Um, and they're still behind on the times, even as far as developing players. Uh, and they're getting a lot better. I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm 80 years old here where, where college soccer was nothing. Um, but, you know, it, it's a different thing. So I wonder if, if part of it, too, is just these younger coaches that, that are – that are trying to change things up and that value possession. Um, even, you know, um, John Molniak with, with Red Bulls, not terribly old, or at least, you know, kind of unexperienced. You had, you had John Harks last year with Cincinnati and Allen Coach this year who were um, decently inexperienced coaches and, and younger. Um, so I wonder if it's if it's this weird kind of like ageism styles clash thing that's going on. That's really I think it has a play without um, a doubt because I, I truly yeah. do believe there's this push in U.S. soccer to modernize, you know, to to not just be this because U.S. soccer for so long has been that, you know, just by the skin of your teeth, you get by and you score that last goal and you push hard and you run harder, everything. Um, this is something we all know about U.S. soccer, but you know, even our men's national team is is developing and, and morphing into this thing that is no longer um, a team that can just, you know, get by just on athletics, athleticism, because I, I think I've not I've never said this before, and I'm talking maybe too much about national soccer, but I think it's true for everyone. American soccer is getting better to the point where now teams are no longer just going at us they're starting to bunker against us and we be, we've become mm-hmm. you know we're responsible for having to score the goals now we're, we're responsible for breaking the bunker system down and that is so much harder than going at it 50-50 you know it's now become this 70-30 responsibility where you are the one that has to force that goal or else you're countered and scored on and a stupid goal happens, you know? And so, you know, we're going to see these losses, these random losses against these silly countries, um, you know, um, why can't I think Jurgen Klinsmann rest in peace, but to a certain degree, this was coming, you know? And, and so enough about the national team talk, but do you think maybe this is like a coming of age for American soccer? And, you know, we still have a crazy amount of time to go, but what do you think? I was just looking back through the 2014 World Cup stats and possession. If you look at the top three, it's Argentina, Germany, and Spain. all domi- And this is just from group stage, not from any knockout rounds past group stage. So this may just be skewed to the group they were drawn in. And, and even in 2014, I believe that was our group of death year with Portugal, Ghana, and Germany. In it, but the U.S. out of those 32 teams in the tournament, we were 31st. Only Iran was worse than us in possession, and we were at 42% possession. Whoa. I mean, if you go back through and look at Major League Soccer possession from last year in 2016, the Columbus crew dominated, or they didn't dominate, but they averaged 53.8 possession in the league, very attacking style. But then you look at Seattle Sounders, who was at 51, a little over. That and Toronto FC, who was at fifty percent of the two MLS finalists, 
if you look down at the other end of the league, it was Chicago Fire at 45%. Mm. I can I can tie all this back into the U.S. Let's do it. We the reason for hope I think a lot of people have right now in the U.S. system doesn't lie in the men's national team proper, the first team. It's in the U20s who put on a hell of a, a, a show in the World Cup, including a drubbing of New Zealand, and some of the big guys in in that team are graduates of or have played or currently play in the USL. I would go further. I would go further and say that MPSL and, sure. and uh, PDL are our future. You know, the more we stack okay. those clubs and, and NCAA, mm. it, it, this is one thing. Oh, I'm going to go on such a tangent, but I have to say this. Go for it. You guys were go talking about what U.S. soccer should do with that money, and I thought you guys came up with some really good ideas. Yes. I'm all for all of those ideas, and I'm talking about the roundtable mm. you did, Evan. But – um, one of my favorite mm. ideas was um, was Alexi Lawless said, put that money toward buying a politician or 10 to make NCAA have a longer season slash, you know, better mm. development, like fix NCAA yeah. soccer yeah. to match the rest of the world. Mm. And you would see not only professional soccer, which is already improving in the United States, raise their level. But you would see NCAA. Can you imagine all these kids who want an education who refuse to just go pro straight out of high school at the cost of whatever, at the cost of maybe their soccer careers, going to college and having a real soccer season, putting all they can into soccer and education and coming out just as good a soccer player as, you know, God help us in 20, 30, 50 years, a German soccer player coming out of an academy. Um, maybe that would never happen, but if we got 50% of the way there, I think Alexi's onto something really, really good there. I mean, BYU plays in the PDO. Oh, they yeah, move their that. team. Uh, if, if you look at League of Max, they have a lot of their teams that actually play up in their system are university sides. It's really smart moves because Tigre. it's almost um, like cheating the system. I don't know why more colleges don't yeah. do that, and I even know of, like... Um, a guy that used to play for us, Vince Cicerelli, used to go to Notre Dame, and he transferred to St. Uh, St. Louis University, both soccer you know, stalwarts in their own right, um, but Notre yep. Dame would not let him play PDL, which is, I mean, idiotic, stupid. Mm. I mean, I do not understand mm. that. He went mm. to SLU, he played PDL for Des Moines Menace, and he got signed to St. Louis FC because he did so well in the Open Cup versus us, and he's from here. So, I mean... Can we fix these yeah. college clubs and, and can they cheat the system more often and add these PDL and PSL sides during the offseason? And, I, I, and then I think after, like, USL would then turn it into this proving ground. Yeah, well, exactly. Which I'll, I'll argue that it already is because you have guys like, uh, like Zico, Lewis, and... Um, Oh God! You know, um, countless other guys. Uh, Josh Yarrow went to Georgetown was for, with Bethlehem Steel for a little bit. Ken Schreiber went to Drexel was with Bethlehem Steel for a little bit. Still is actually. Um, uh, Fabian Herbers who went to Creighton. There's a lot of really good college talent out there now, even um, who are good, who are good level MLS guys, who um, can can show what they're worth for a couple years and learn the system and, and figure out the travel and all that stuff in USL. 
Yeah, and then you know, there's always that debate of is, should they drop out of college to go to USL or you know mm. stay in college till they're done and try mm. MLS. You know, there's so many options out there. Mm. There's no direct one line to go. They're all semi-successful, semi-failures. Yeah, it's rough. Um, I guess we'll talk about just getting back to to USL proper. Um, and speaking of of Zyko Lewis, who didn't score anything but played. Uh, Sunday was the, the two games with kind of multiple goals scored by one team. Uh, Louisville shut out Red Bull 2, who were having some issues. Um, Red Bull led possession, but Louisville, I'll tell you what, I actually just, because uh, Bethlehem plays the Baby Bulls tomorrow, and so I, I, I looked into, you know, their game against Louisville in, in terms of what did Louisville do right that Red Bull got caught out on. Everything. And, um, well, okay, other than... <laughs> What specific thing that did Red Bull not do? Uh, their back Score. line this year is not as good as it was mm. last year. In the slightest. Um, Interestingly, that was the senior team's problem the year before, right? Yep. And they called yeah. a couple yeah. guys up, one or two? Yep. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, Dan Metzger. You know, Aaron Long and yeah. Metzger. Carol. We got Plua. Um, yes, he did. Yeah, I like him. Um, I mean, if you look at last year, New York was only shut out twice in the regular season, both nil-nil results versus Rochester, and now barely a quarter of the way, a little over a quarter of the way through, they've already been shut out twice. If it if it comes down, I think to the end of the season, and the East looks like it does now, where you have what is it, Ryan? Four or five teams tied for for eighth or, or sixth or something crazy. Five teams already have sixteen <laughs> points, and then you have a few more with seventeen. Right. Really, I'm, the only untouchable teams are the top three in the conference of Charleston, Tampa, and Louisville. And then maybe if you look at Harrisburg and Richmond, those are the only ones truly set in stone, or not set in stone, but mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. position themselves for the season. Red Bull at a minus four goal differential right now. Is is a little scary if I if I follow that team, um, just because it's so it's it's tighter than it was last year in the middle for the East, um, and I don't know what Red Bull Two does to to solve the back line problem. They're or the, the only, goals. They're the only team in the Eastern Conference with a negative goal differential, and it's sitting in a playoff spot. But they're also second in the Eastern Conference in goals with twenty two, but they lead the the conference in conceded goals. Mm. It does give you less faith. You know, like you see the negative four there. Everyone else is rolling around two, zero, negative one. You know, like those are the sort of things you can turn around. But, you know, New York Red Bulls is negative four goal differential. Right above them is Louisville City with seven. Oh, so, you know, and then right below them is Rhinos mm-hmm. with two. You know, that is really yeah. disconcerting if I was a, a New York fan. I mean, if you look yeah. over at the Western Conference, there are, there are two teams that have negative goal differentials, Tulsa at minus four and Seattle at minus seven. So it's concerning for those clubs as well, but to mm. be the only one in the Eastern Conference with a negative goal differential, well, I mean, the only there are only three teams that have a bigger goal differential, and those are the bottom three in the conference. And Toronto has negative 11. That's interesting. You know, the Western Conference is a lot more disgusting, so maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Phil, you've you've this is great. You've been there, so been you there, man. Know, um, you, you know what it's like. How it, 
I'm glad you're, you know, on, on the better side. <laughs> you know, but. well, we thought that because honestly, um, mm. we thought that last year. And, and I, it's hard to say if that's truly the case because it's hard to decide whether we were just a, that bad of a side or if the, if the West is just harder. I truly, so far, I really do think the West is harder because – in the East, there are just a few teams that I think you almost go into it expecting a win. Um, granted, we lost one of those this year in Charlotte Independence, but um, <laughs> but last you know last year there's really no give, gimme. There was none, and you look at it at the standings right now. Play the Timbers too. They're last in their conference. Galaxy, Los Dos. Orange County, like none of those are easy wins. Like where you go in thinking you're going to take it. And, and you look at the East, the bottom, you go in with the bottom four, you, you have a good feeling going in. Uh, especially if you're home, you're like, okay, this is a no-brainer. This is going to happen. But in the West, it just wasn't like that. It was any given day, anyone could win. Um, the only difference this year is there wasn't a Real Monarchs, there wasn't a San Antonio that was that far ahead at this point. So, I mean, Whitecaps got a good, good head start. Um, and then they kind of trailed little by little by little by little throughout the season. So um, I think looking at the standings, it really tells the story, I think, pretty clearly. Yeah, Phil, I mean, I echo your sentiment here. It seems that the Eastern – I've always said that the Eastern Conference is always very top-heavy, where they have a few clubs that are capable of winning the conference each year, whereas in the West, they're like everything's spread out yeah. that you could go into it and pick like – nine different clubs that have possibilities of winning the conference. If you look back at the 2016 playoffs in the conference semifinals, it was basically of the first round, three of the four matches were upsets with Swope Park beating a four over a five being the only other one. You had an 8v4 and a 6v7, whereas you go to the Eastern Conference, only one of those matches was an upset and that was the battery over Cincinnati, even though I thought the battery were the better team that year. You go to the conference finals, it was New York-Louisville, 1v2, as pretty much everyone expected. And then in the West, it was 4v6 of Swope Park and Vancouver. Here, another one that I wouldn't have picked from the start. So I think like top-bottom, West is definitely a stronger conference, but if you look at the top clubs, the East is... Better. Yeah, and and you know, Evan, and you when you came on my show um, the other day, that was what we talked about. Where, you know, last year there wasn't one team. Like I kind of said this, there wasn't one team where like the whole season you're like, well, they're gonna win it, they're gonna take it, because it's it's mm. just like the MLS where the Sounders were so bad at first and it just didn't matter because they went on a run at the right time. And the West is like that. Honestly, like whoever in the next six games, if they start winning over and over and over uh, within the five, six games from now, th- whoever can do that in the West, they're going to go all the way probably, in my opinion. That's, that's, my, that's my bold statement of the, of the episode perhaps. But yeah. in the East, it's not like that. It's, it's, a, it's a game of attrition. It's a game of constantly stacking three points or one points never going away with the zero and that's that's how you win and you know tampa bay and the battery even a little bit louisville um they're they're doing that right now and and the rest of us are trying to catch up Mm. yeah um hey to save everyone the trouble um and and to get you some more some more precious clicks 
Uh, this is the part where we talk about Bethlehem's game <sighs> against St. Louis, but Phil and I have already done that twice this week. Uh, well, twice last week. So, um, we'll just save you the trouble. Bethlehem won, um, which was cool. Uh, St. Louis didn't get a goal on their own accord. Uh, but yeah, totally go check out. I did a, I did a little, uh, reaction podcast with Phil. It's like 15, 20 minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, a win for Bethlehem. Sacred Kotonai stays hot. But uh, but definitely check out the uh, kind of bonus edition mm-hmm. of, of St. Louis Soccer Report. And you that. guys you guys shut us down very nicely. That's what I will say about it. Thank you. At the end. Thank you kindly. Are you feeling any better about that game since since I lost? Yeah, only because we looked so damn good against Chicago. We lost one to zero, but I mean mm. I've never seen Precky so happy. So uh, you'll hear in our next episode, not this one, um, but the next one. I'm gonna play some really good clips from Precky post game. It was good stuff, guys. <laughs> so that is a uh, that is our man here at Eastern Conference Confidential. We do love ourselves, <laughs> Precky. It's got the good quotes. <laughs> I think that's it's mostly a, mostly a Doherty thing, but we we've also we've adopted him into our hearts. Let me tease it real quick, actually, if you don't um, mind. Um, yeah, go for it. Did go you guys yeah, see yeah. the goal that Chicago got on us? The one goal from Solonyak? Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. yeah. So, you know, someone was in the, the presser after, and, and they were like, so was that an amazing, is that one of the best goals you've ever seen? He's like, uh, you know, he's like, I'll give that guy 50 balls, and if he gets one of those shots, if he repeats that one of those 50 times, I'll give him uh, $2. <laughs> He like straight up was like that's never happening again that was the goal of his life even Panovich was like you know we liked that goal and because everyone was like how impressed were you he's like we like it but he also missed some easier ones than that so you know it was interesting to hear the two coaches talk about it and some good shit talking from Precky yeah. for sure <laughs> those Eastern Europeans man they I liked it uh Moving on to week 13, um, it already it already started uh, yesterday. Toronto FC score a goal early and beat Orlando City B by everyone's favorite scoreline, <laughs> one to nothing. Um, and it's another case of Orlando winning possession in Toronto getting the getting exactly. the win on the, on the score sheet. Another one of those modern clubs. Oh, yeah. First hey, one since March. Awful this year. They have. Yeah. Yeah. They beat Phoenix and then just kind of... I mean, their starting 11 is never the same from what I've heard. I mean, ever, never. No. But, like, teams can... I, ugh, I hate that. I don't. I think it's legit. I actually think that's why St. Louis has been um, not as good as we expected. I expected. So, okay. uh, we should we should debate that at some point. I'm not prepared tonight. We should. We if should. you look at the Eastern yeah. Conference, the teams that play the most consistent lineups, your Tampa Bays, your Louisville's, your Charleston's, Tend to go towards the top of the conference. Okay. I, I mean, I we can, we can argue the MLS USL affiliation all sure. day, but I mean, mm. it is a bit telling that night that save Charleston, that Tampa Bay and Louisville are their own independent clubs. Mm-hmm. So Evan, the I, uh, the stat robot yeah. agrees with me. I think maybe I just win outright. I don't know if you That's want to fight great. it. Uh, uh Phil, um. <laughs> I still like to keep up the facade that Ryan is a human being, <laughs> so I don't call him the stat <laughs> I'm breaking the ECC <laughs> rules right now. Insensitive <laughs> friend breaking kayfabe. 
Breaking uh, news stories, man. I do what I got to do to win. Breaking news stories. I, I guess, man, between, you know, following Precky and... <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm not from St. Louis. <laughs> I just came here because Precky's here. So there you go. <laughs> I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. Um, my preview of that argument, I think when we do the second USL roundtable that I really want to be about the, the two teams versus the affiliates because I think we have a good mix throughout the network, um, which is the beautiful game network. I'll plug that later. Um I, part of that is, is the, oh, we field a different lineup every week a valid excuse, or can you field a different lineup every week? But as long as you have X amount of players consistently playing every week that, that perform at a USL level, is that is that enough to suffice? And um, spoiler alert, I think Charleston's uh, an example of the, we just have a couple really good here's, here's my argument, is that you look at two teams okay. that do this, it's mostly two sides, you know, reserve sides. Um, right. The teams that I think will be successful at this are the teams that do it like Red Bull 2. Because Red Bull 2, they don't practice as a one side and then a two side. They they practice right. together. Right. I think someone like Toronto, I don't think way. Toronto's like that. I'm pretty right. sure they're not where, you know... In Real Salt Lake, same thing, even though yeah. um, Monarchs are doing well. They're sending guys down like the day before the game, six, six seven guys down. And, and, you know, those six, seven guys may know each other pretty well, but the other three or four, you know, or sorry, I need to do my math better, but the other five, um, you know, <laughs> don't know these guys. And so I just think it's a terrible model. And I, I still stand by that. And I think that's why someone like RB2 is doing a lot better than someone like Toronto, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Toronto separates their teams. They also have a TFC three that plays in an Ontario league, so that's further separation mm. throughout their lineup. I, I mean, maybe it does contribute a bit that Toronto FC two doesn't play with, or inside BMO Field they play in Vaughan, Ontario. Oh, in fact, the guy who scored the goal for Toronto FC two, Jordan Hamilton, when Toronto FC was affiliated with Wilmington, he spent a significant amount of time on a season long affiliate loan deal down here so he is at least used to playing within other lower level teams but he has gotten MLS minutes this year when Giovinco hasn't been playing yeah. speaking of uh, of Red Bull 2 um, a little I guess preview of the of the first cl- of the first team's match on Friday uh, Red Bull 2 at home hit Montclair State uh, facing Bethlehem Steel FC uh, a win in Bethlehem Moves up in the standings, which would be nice. We're in a playoff spot right now, which is mm-hmm. cool. Six. Jealous. Yeah. I, hey, man. It, it, six is better than, you know. I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, this will be interesting. Um, no Corey Burke for Bethlehem this weekend. He's still coming back from the uh, the Jamaican game on the 13th. Um but not like they don't have guys that can take care of that. Should be interesting. Uh, what is it? Harrisburg and Louisville got their first wins against New York Red Bull 2 ever this season, and I, I think Bethlehem will do the same. Um, oh, what did I put in the 2 nothing? I put? Yeah, 2 nothing <laughs> is my preview in print, so it has to be my preview in, uh, in podcast. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I was going back and forth on this one. If you would have... If I would have looking at the schedule at the start of the year, I would have said that New York gets by this one easily if they had their same lineup from last year and with Brandon Allen up front, Vincent Bessencourt, 
than Evan Laura and Gold. They seem to have a solid side, but recent weeks have just been contrary to that belief. Yes, they are fourth in the conference, but a negative four goal differential, and then with only two wins in their last five, the other three being losses, it just doesn't inspire a lot of play from New York on their side. Right. To use an Evan quote, that being said, I will select a 1-1 draw for this result. Oh, man. You know what? You stole it from me because I was, you know, I was trying to take in what I've seen from both sides. I would say both are, you know, very dangerous attacking-wise. Both can let some goals in, actually, in the same similar ways. And um, I was taking a hint from, from uh, Ryan in that, you know, these low score lines. I was going to say 1-1. You know, Bethlehem's away, so I thought New York might step it up a hair, get it, get it, a draw. Mm, mm. Uh, Saturday, teeing off at 6.05 in the final pairing of the afternoon um, in a another weird... Hey, Rochester's still in the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, they are. What? I thought it they lost. Up. Wait, what happened? How did I not know this? Oh, I was making a joke. Since the U.S. Open is for golf is this weekend, and then they have a tee time at 6.05. Okay. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Got me. They, they did Levels. lose to New so England. I was just goals. making so a joke. <laughs> well done. Um, Rochester at home against the Ottawa Fury in basically a, a border war. Um, both clubs don't like to complete passes. Rochester's one shy of... 4,200, which I think some teams have completed in a game. And uh, Ottawa is way under that at, at just under 3,500. Um, I'll go with, like, Steven Dos Santos scoring three times and, and, and breaking Brendan's bitter little heart. Huh. Uh, kind of. Maybe. I don't know, actually, how he would feel about that. But, uh, no, I think I think Dos Santos gets, uh, gets a goal or two, and Ottawa somehow wins, like, 2 nothing. 2-1, I'm going to circle back with Ottawa. They, I mean, right behind St. Louis, they seem to be the team that has the most former Rhinos players that are suiting up for their roster. Or, I mean, Ottawa does, from their, at least from their last five matches, they have earned 10 total points. So that's two-thirds points possible. Oh, and Rochester have earned nine points out of that. But the thing is that why I'm siding with Rochester on this match to win 2-1 is since their Charleston 5-0 loss, they haven't lost since then. And I just feel like at home, they're not likely to lose again. And I don't know how long the streak may continue. They may pull off a Charleston battery-esque streak and go and never lose at home for like the next year and a half or something. Mm. And I would just, this re- recent play and the streak from Rochester right now inspires more confidence in me than in Ottawa Club, who is, don't get me wrong, is still a very good team just hasn't been established as a good team for as long as Rochester has this season. Yeah, so I talked to Brendan when, I was about to talk to Brendan rather, when we were supposed to play Rochester, but then the floodwaters rose from from, uh, from <laughs> the skies. Um, but um, he was saying back then, he was like, he was kind of relieved that we weren't playing each other because he just thought at the time that Rochester hadn't figured themselves out. Um, and maybe this good run is them kind of finding their place in the world, understanding how they need to play. So, and I'm not a big fan of Ottawa Fury either. I think they're going to be streaky in their goals because of their playing style. So I'm going to say 1-0 Rhinos. 
Uh, moving on from there, a 7 o'clock start, the Charlotte Independence at home against the Harrisburg City. Oh, Adams. boy. Um, yeah. Uh, like, uh, can we I just know. What's the next game? Cincinnati versus Charleston is a little, is a little better. Um, I will say, I will say, because Romario Williams got the call up for Jamaica too, right? Mm. Yes. I would doubt he'll be back. That still leaves might, Justin Portillo well, and Mikhail Chang yeah, in the lineup. No, and Lasso. And, and, Evan, this is perfect, dude. We're gonna we're gonna test our theory right now. This is perfect. I guess, yeah. I mean, it's it's the thing. It is a day later than the Bethlehem game, but but Brendan in his midweek said that Corey wouldn't be back on Friday, so I don't know if Romario would meet the team in Cincinnati or if they just wouldn't. So if he doesn't play, we'll we'll get a we'll get a, an honest to god test of this theory, um, and maybe a, a little bit of a denial of what would have been a shootout between Romario Williams and, and GB Fall is back after he totally bit somebody. Hmm. Um, I I don't know Cincinnati just uh, just beat a certain MLS team that, that one of us on this call is a fan of um, one nothing. In rather shocking fashion, and is is riding some momentum off of that, and then the momentum off of their uh, proposed stadium, which you know, I could count on two people's hands how many times DC United had a proposed stadium, but oh, I won't go there. Um, Cincinnati three one would be good. Oh, it is in Cincinnati, isn't it? Oh, that's actually changing me a bit. <clears throat> what do you think, Ryan? Mm. I'm going to go back and at least still side with Charleston here. Conference leaders, they have looked like the best club. Yes, that is part of the reason why Romario Williams is there, but he's not the only score, goal scorer on that team. Mm. Justin Portillo, I mean, again, off a of PK against Richmond, he you have Portillo, Lasso, Chang as other adept goal scorers for this team. And yes, you are playing in Nippert Stadium, but you did... Charleston did that again last year in the playoffs and still knocked them off 2-1. And I mean, it'll definitely be a good match. I will go a 2-2 draw with GB Fall getting the brace for FC Cincinnati. Mm, I think, yes, it has. I'm going to (laughs) say 2-1 Charleston. Um, I just think maybe they can steal one. I, I, I still think maybe it's the system more than the players, but I, I'm really excited. Even if I'm wrong on this one, I think we'll actually see what Charleston is made of based on what happens if, if they're without Romario Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, Richmond at home against the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Who, uh, this could get ugly. By the way, uh, Joe Cole and and uh, over on the western side of things, a, 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 a certain Didier Drogba, I think. I don't. He sounds important, <laughs> but uh, both those guys sounds scored, like he's won something because Joe Cole and Didier Drogba are scoring goals in the United States in a in a second division league in 2017. After I'm pretty sure both of them scored goals in at least the same World Cup at, at one point in time. Um. There's no way that this isn't the Tampa Bay Rowdies win, right? Like, for as much as Richmond is, like, the, the good home team with some really solid defense, they're totally going to get slaughtered here. Um, Let's get ugly. 
four nothing. Deshaun Brown times two. Joe Cole times one. And um, screw it. You know what? Leo Fernandez times one. <laughs> I'll cut in here. I mean, I won't say that ugly. <laughs> what did you? What did you just? What was the final score? You had all that up. Four, four, four nothing. nothing. I was gonna say three zero. I won't say who's gonna score, but I will say the possession's gonna right. be seventy thirty or better. Yeah, I think this will be something from right out of the gate. The Rowdies will appear in control of this match without any answers from Richmond. And, I mean, Richmond only has eight goals scored this year. Only Toronto has fewer. And, in fact, Dane Kelly and Romario Williams both have scored more goals than Richmond has as a team. I look for these goal struggles to continue. We'll all agree with you, Phil. It's going to be 3-0 Tampa. Final game... uh... 7.30, Louisville and the Riverhounds um, in Louisville. So so don't get some, some weird, you know, Riverhounds magic hopes up kind of going on. Um, I don't know, like Louisville 2, Pittsburgh 1, because Corey Herzog doesn't not score. Yeah, as in for recent matches. It's true. Yeah. It's been a little rough. Um, I agree I mean, with you, I though. I will say this Pittsburgh team's improved mm. from last year's Pittsburgh yeah. team. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. like them. Oh, I like watching them. They're a fun team. Yeah, I agree with you, too, one, I though. I think that's a good... three with New York this year. <laughs> that they were a different side. Yeah. So, Ryan, if you'd like to deviate from 2-1, you may. But if not, you can also just say 2-1. Uh, I'll go Louisville 2-0. I feel... And with that, it was a bit telling that they need that they're playing Toronto, who up to this point looks like one of the worst teams in the East this year. That they needed an 87th free kick goal just to save a point on the road against a rather weak Toronto side. But Toronto again just won this week over Orlando, so maybe they're on the rise. Yeah. Um, hey, we're gonna talk the Open Cup. If that's okay with everybody. It's my favorite. Um, great. Uh, we'll just kind of we'll just kind of run down these uh, briefly ish, and then kind of talk about the the USL teams uh, that did advance a little bit more in depth, I suppose. Uh, but we would be remiss if we didn't bring up Christos FC, who broke the internet for I don't know thirty uh, minutes, twelve minutes. Last oh, I night. thought it was like thirty. Thirty minutes. Well, I mean, I guess technically, all right. So they tied it. Well, they kept it level for for twenty three, and then they scored. So that, yeah, no, that makes sense. Twenty three, and then thirty five, and then it wasn't until the eightieth minute before DC United put a go ahead goal on the back of the net. Yeah, it's good. Good, good for I, them, man. Love That's it. A great story. I mean, the, it's been repeated go- so many goal? times, but the fact that they don't practice, sponsored by a liquor store, come on, it's just right. like. It writes itself. This match earned them a new kit deal. Oh yeah, exactly. Did you it? hear like they have different shorts, different. <laughs> they bring their own shorts and they have matching tops. Uh, it's amazing. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's some like Sunday week kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you just watch that goal anyway. they had, hey, um, they ran Ryan, to the I won't fans. Talk about this one if you don't want to. Nah, it's part of USL news. I got feelings on this I one. You ready? As a Columbus Crew fan, they are my yeah. favorite. All right, go for MLS teams. They just look. It was just an embarrassing outlook. I will say the most interesting story from that at the end of the night was um, Greg Burhalter and Justin Merrim's 
um, I don't want to say altercation, but at least discussion with a few yeah. fans in the stands. Mm. Saw, saw photos of that one. During, so before, or after? After the match. After. So basically there was a large contingent of traveling crew supporters. I, I think they predicted around 1,000 or so in one of the sections. It was near the Bailey. So when they were, when the away fan players were walking over, just kind of clapping for thank you for the support, we're sorry about tonight's mm. loss. Plus there were a few massive report, another really good SB Nation site. He did or used the word inebriated to describe these fans that were chanting. <laughs> and basically they were chanting starting at Greg Berhalter saying this is embarrassing. We shouldn't lose to a lower level side. That you should quit your job or wishing for him to get mm. sacked. And usually the correct course of action for a manager is here, just thank you for the support, we'll get better this season and walk yeah. away. But Burhalter then chose to go up to the fan and started arguing back and forth. And it just, it, That's... it got to the point where Justin Mara, midfielder for the team, had to step in, say some words to Burhalter and the fan before both walked off. Mm. It just seems like it quickly spiraled. It, I don't want to say escalated quickly, but that just wasn't the course of action for the crew after an embarrassing loss. Yeah, it's like a, a lesson to all coaches: don't speak to the peasants. You know, like let the right. so never talk to any of us on. on yeah, this exactly. This talk to the press, but don't give them much. Right. Keep it close yeah. to your vest. Um. I mean, on the other side, I, if you look at Cincinnati, this just adds fuel to the fire for their MLS if they can claim that. Uh, they're gonna. Yep. There's an argument to be made now that they're the best team in the state of Ohio, and no, there isn't. Columbus. Not really, but you know, it's funny. If Here's AFC I... Cleveland would have, if AFC Cleveland would have beaten Cincinnati in the, the fourth or in whatever <laughs> round they played each other, you can make the argument Cincinnati was the third best team in the state of Ohio. Uh, yeah, but then like it would have been this weird like AFC Cleveland would have been like, oh fuck MLS, we don't want to be there anyway, <laughs> so who cares? We're the best team in Ohio. It, very self-loathing kind of thing. Which I would have thoroughly enjoyed. Um, you know, Cincinnati, they they got away with, like, an ugly goal. Granted, they defended that entire game. Um, and they did score the goal, you know, that still counts. But they, enti- they defended that entire game against a starting 11 for Columbus Crew, which you can't say that for Chicago Fire. But Crew, I mean, you kind of backed me up Brad on this, Evan. The that was, like, their starting 11. They they really don't. Yeah. It was nine. Yeah. And, well, and I mean, if you think about it, all right, they played you know nine out of ten of their starting outfield players because the goalie really Zach like Brad Stuber in for Zach Steffen isn't isn't a mm. night and day change. No, it's not. But Zach um, Steffen was they have Ola Kamara starter. instead of Adam John, then you know crew win. I was surprised Kamara wasn't named to the eighteen. As you can tell, yeah. I was rather upset. That we didn't produce more with this, but good on Cincinnati to sell out thirty thousand or to mm-hmm. sell out thirty thousand, which I checked is more than what the Cincinnati Bearcat football team sold for two games this year. Whoa. It's Tennessee Martin and Memphis in college football, and sadly for Columbus, it's the largest crowd they've played in front of this year until they go to Atlanta this weekend. That's mm-hmm. big. I always assumed the football uh, crowds were always bigger. That's crazy. Well, I think what's telling is with the Tennessee Martin one, that's their usual paycheck game, and that's a lot of ones that they either left at halftime or they just kind of blew off because it was, again, the paycheck. And then Memphis at the end of the year, 
here that was their last home game so either it's senior night the weather was bad or or displeasure with the team because they weren't winning mm-hmm. the American Athletic Conference at the time mm-hmm. um, Revs beat the Rhinos 3 nothing. Joseph Farrell gets sent off Bunbury penalty kick Donnie Smith 51th minute former uh, independence and Zachary uh, Haraval one of those I don't speak Haraval um <laughs> Haravo, there you go. Haravo. Clinical win for the Revs. Uh, no problem there. They'll take on DC next round. Uh, Brendan was pissed. You could tell through Twitter, dude was pissed at that call. Yep. So. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's not a very hard one to judge his emotions on Twitter, which uh, I will, you know, give him credit for. It's, it's admirable. Mm-hmm. But, I think it's uh, interesting yeah, he, he that. Was not happy. I think it's interesting with the New England Revolutions player, uh, Donnie Smith, who scored the second goal, has spent a at least a few matches down in Charlotte on loan this year rather than yeah. loaning it to Rochester. But, again, that's we have spoken on in the past very different methods of loaning system. Mm-hmm. I mean, New England, Rochester is non-existent, just like Wilmington and NYCFC was non-existent, not even sending players well, here, which is... NYCFC and San Antonio this year, that's not a thing. Yeah, I mean, but I think that's just my personal beliefs on why I'm a, not as much for the... You know, ML, MLS mm. USL affiliations as much because I've just had such a negative experience with it. Mm. Uh, sure. I'm sure there are a lot of other teams that have much better experiences than what Wilmington and NYCFC did. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Union 3, Harrisburg City Islanders 1. Derek Jones scores the most Derek Jones goal of all time. Charles Nana Quibena or CJ Sapong uh, scores in the 33rd, and then Marcus Epps disrespects the entire city island of Harrisburg by scoring <laughs> a really, really filthy goal. What's a classic um, Derek Jones where, goal? Um, cut in on your on your left or your right, because you can hit him with both, top of the box after you get a layoff pass, and then just kind of sneak it past well the keeper. Yeah, thank you. Um, Jonathan Mendoza scored in the 37th minute to make it two to one. I got a little, little worried about that one, but uh, no, you know DJ gets gets a goal, Epps gets a goal. Um, both those guys have, have been in Bethlehem this year. Uh, Jones obviously last year as well. Um, and uh, hopefully, 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 Epps can can take that that goal with the Union and apply it down here in Bethlehem because he's been so close a couple times. Um. Charleston loses to Atlanta in a tighter game than it probably had any right to be. Um, Kevin Kratz exists and scored a goal for Atlanta, which is exciting. Um, but hey, Martinez made a comeback. Your force Lasso in the third minute gets a goal, and then Dante Marini gets one. So, so. how long um, before Lasso's in the MLS? Yeah. Just for that, just for scoring goals. Like next year, I, I don't know. He's got to be close. Like I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a look from anybody. I think it. Well, and the way it'll probably work out is that Atlanta's uh, going to get him. I think they should try at least keep him on the bench for the end of the game yeah. for goodness sake you know it it's it's interesting because for for a team that played in lower level soccer or for a front office that knew a lot about lower level soccer and for a team that needed a bunch of players the fact that minnesota united didn't try to get a bunch of guys like at the beginning of the year but definitely forrest lasso was another one i would think that they'd be interested in but hmm. who knows I mean, Andrew Carlton was named in this, and I had the pleasure of being in Bobby Dodd Stadium for his MLS debut, and he nearly scored off a breakaway within minutes of being subbed on. Yeah, I but saw that Forrest too. Forrest Lasso is only 
he's only 24 years old. He's from Raleigh, and he's only played for Charleston his entire professional career since 2015. Yep. So he's definitely worth a look. I know when Wilmington took Real Salt Lake to penalty kicks in last year's tournament, and RSL was very impressed with a lot of the players from Wilmington, and that's I mean, Mark Briggs, our manager from last year, is now managing Real Monarchs this year into another really good season. So there's definitely at least a connection that MLS teams recognize good talent below Shauna Coley from Cincinnati to NYCFC. Maybe that's why they're not, honestly. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. Come on, MLS scouts, um, give them a shot. Phil, you mentioned... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phil, you, uh, you mentioned the once in a lifetime, if I could give him 50 soccer balls, and if he hit it one time, I'll give him $200. There you go. But, no, he uh, said two dollars, which I think was even more demeaning. Two dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, he knows that Louis Slovnak doesn't doesn't need that kind of money. Um, Phil, I do have a question for you though. I'm looking currently at a screen cap tweet from the U.S. Open Cup official Twitter, not the good one that Josh Akala runs. Um, Christian Valeski, but spelled V-A-L-E-S-K-I. Mm. Who's the new guy? V-O. Yeah. How, how, how's he been looking for you guys? Well, Valeski, not so good. He's just been really absent okay. on the field this year, if I may say so. <laughs> right. That's a yeah, dad yeah, yeah, joke, yeah, yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ha- have some kids, <laughs> and they'll just spew out of your mouth before you even know it. Um, no, Valeski, hot and then cold. Um, I got way too excited. Oh, yeah, there you go. I got way too excited because he scored a few in a row. Um thinking oh my gosh this guy's even better than i thought no he just he got cold and st louis has also been cold in the midfield so um you know maybe when the midfield improves he will improve i i will say this um you can tell he used to play for rochester the dude defends so well he was really dangerous on the press against chicago a lot of props to him for that game um, couple moments where you know perhaps an MLS level guy would have gotten to the ball and finished it. He did hit the crossbar in this game. He looked great, just you know, just a, a hair off from from getting at least one on the board. So mm. you know, and maybe that's maybe that's a sign against MLS. He's just below their level and being able to score. He was dropped, you know, late in preseason by Sporting Kansas City this year. So. You know, it all kind of matches up, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and that's not... Ryan, if you, if you want to ask that question. Yeah. I missed it. I saw you type I mean, it. I was going through a lot of the... I was going through a lot of the MLS lineups. I mean, obviously, we saw Columbus fielding. Basically, you're there starting 11. You had Atlanta fielding Joseph Martinez, Miguel Almiron, and goal Luis Ognac is a normal player for... Um, for Chicago. Houston fielded a very RGV heavy when they played in CFC here in the Triangle. What I was asking is, do you feel like this is more of MLS teams starting to care more about this tournament or more of the fact that they didn't want to lose to a lower level opponent and they're fine if they lost to, say, an MLS caliber team or an MLS team? Or is it also that USL has been getting better, which I truly believe it has, and and they're they got to worry yeah. a little bit. Oh, I more. definitely believe it has. Yeah, I think it has too. So I, I, I think it depends on which matchup, right? Because there's, there's kind of the whole litany of, of different types of Open Cup matches where so I'll, I'll, just, I'll just do this kind of quick. 
on one end you have a you know Chicago and St. Louis which are two teams that can you know maybe surprise each other and, and kind of in the same vein even Cincinnati and Columbus crew where it's like we have a real reason for trying to win this game on both sides for Cincinnati and Columbus mm-hmm. and then you have you know the Philadelphia Union who could not be bothered to care one way or the other about Harrisburg City Islanders <laughs> Um, and, and put the game to bed after 48 minutes and just kind of move on business as usual. Let's play Red Bull next round. Um, I, I, uh, I, I don't think it's like it's a, it's a mutually exclusive thing. I, I think it's a combination of, of the interest needs to be better. We talked about that on the round well, I mean, Winner gets and an entrant then, into CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, but like, you know, if you're an MLS club, right, you start and you only need to win four four games five games to to get hardware um and i don't know if a lot of clubs are missing the boat on that one or what but um i mean crew hasn't won hardware since 2008 i feel like sure i think for clubs that struggle to win mls cup this is a perfect Mm -hmm. chance to move up or test new grounds for hardware yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh continues um yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I think, you know, the USL has gotten a lot better, and that's why you see a lot of these teams, even the union uh, with, you know, CJ Zapong was there. Um, who else? John McCarthy, who's not a slouch in that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's all three of those things. There's not really like a, like a oh, well, it's, it's got to be because no one cares. We need to make them all care because you're never going to make everyone care. Nope. I think, you know, some of it just comes down to how much do you like the Open Cup? How much do you decide to care? You know, some teams just care. Sporting KC cares. Seattle. Seattle, exactly. Seattle cares. So, you know, I, you know, I tweeted. You don't see the Timbers going right. on. You know? But I tweeted, you know, like, I'm. Well, s- neither lineup went all out. I'm such a romantic. I'm such, I'm so in love with the Open Cup. I think it's really awesome. I think even if I was an MLS side, I would go for it because I, I do think it's awesome. It has history, um, you know. Third oldest in the world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, we could go all yeah. day about that. And you guys did a really good job. You, you got Phil going now, Ryan. You made a mistake. Yeah, right. But uh, <laughs> before, uh, before we get out of here, um, USL D3 thing is terribly interesting. I don't want to talk about the the second talking point because I don't want... We'll save it. I just... I don't know. I don't think it'll happen right away. I think it'll be it'll be a, a far, far, far away idea to implement pro-rel pro in, a, in a third division. Which is responsible, though. Um, league. It's a responsible move to make. It is. It is, but, yeah. but it's not... Push it off. I think the problem, if you market, we're going to do Pro-Rel, regardless of how you phrase it, which I think they did a, a, a mm-hmm. good job of doing On purpose. That. Not ruling it out, oh, but for sure. leaving it open. Right. right. But when you when you say it at all, there's a certain um, part of the fan base who still hasn't blocked me on Twitter, so I'll keep saying his name until he does it. Ted Westervelt, you fucking idiot. <laughs> who loves to latch on to anything related to pro rel free press and just ride free press into into the ground these freaks Whatever. they can't not well, they talk about press. it i mean you all you have to do is right. say pro rel you can even say no pro rel they're going to talk about it right or you you can mention you know oh you know this team's horrible and they go there well, you go and it's 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 irresponsible um, well, you so can look I, I at think... systems in England. When Sutton United played Arsenal this year, I was talking with right. 
Brendan earlier this season that Sutton would have to double their her salary and triple their backroom staff just to get promoted and they're fine being a conference premier team mm-hmm. at tier mm-hmm. five even in mm-hmm. a system of pro rel you're still going to have teams that simply cannot afford moving up mm-hmm. right right um and the nasl created a startup league which uh, whatever is, is that how we feel about it right now stadium uh, that's how I feel oh, about I'm just saying, is that how we feel about it? I don't know as much about this league, so uh, I don't know. It, uh, is it so a copy of the goal of this okay, league? Well, he... I was just Here's saying the my... goal of this league. Yeah. Go ahead, Brennan, or Evan. Um, my initial thought when I heard that the NASL, who has eight teams, wanted to start another league, was that they're they're misplacing so much of their energy into this third league? Because like where where do these other teams go? Like what's the point for these other teams? Well, you know they're not even going to be in the MLS affiliate thing and, and all that, and the NASL can't even play pay everybody on time as it is. Yeah. So here's here's the devil's okay. advocate argument, and it is that sure. that league, from what I've heard is going to be, as far as rules and decisions, is going to be wide open. And so... So it's another... It, exactly. And that's exactly what I've heard. Hmm. We already have one of those, though. There's like 800 teams in the NPS. Yeah, but how many of those can play <laughs> on a higher level and have professional players? That's Detroit. I mean, that's a huge step. That's so big for a Division Four team to be able to afford players much less have 2,000 possible seats in a stand. You know, like, those Division three levels, City, that is... The Kingston Stockade. Yeah, there aren't many. Right, okay. So anyone who can should definitely move up and take that next step to Division three. Chattanooga. Exactly. I mean, everyone's thinking Chattanooga is definitely the team that should move up. So, you know, if they can, they should, and it's going to help U.S. soccer. It's going to help the pyramid... And, and I'm trying to get press, so I'm going to say it's really going to make ProRail happen, and I'm just going to say that right now. It's going to happen. I think I it, it's, I'm just kidding there. I'm actually joking. Um, <laughs> but, but it's a good thing, and I think it's, it, it could work only in that model yeah. where it's like y- you form your divisions, you all as coaches and owners decide what's best for everybody, and yeah. everything will be fine. That's what they do. And, and I, I think here's where this might be a better idea is in you kind of split it in the two different fourth there. So basically there's two different third division leagues. There's the NISA and the, and the, and the um, USLD three. Just, just have the NISA do everything on the West Coast. Everything, you know, like like west of of Mississippi I, River. I guess you know, Saint. Yeah, basically, just do that. Just split the country in half, um, and and say, all right, the western side of things is the NISA, and the eastern side of things is USLD three. Yeah, that's too. That's too practical because, and too not. You know. But, Right, because what I think the problem that you're going to run into is it's whichever league, because they're both going to say they're going to do it, whichever Division Three league, either USLD3 or NISA, can actually pull off the 
well, we don't want to have teams flying. And, and mm-hmm. we want to be, we want to start regional. Whichever one can do that better is going to survive. The other one's going to die. At, at, I agree. And, and that's why. And, and if you look at the, sorry, but if you, if you look at the makeup of the USL and the NASL right now, I, I would bet strongly on USL D3 doing a better yep. job. Yep. I, I, you know what? I think you're right like about the Cosmos that. still haven't played the Deltas or something stupid yet in NASL. Yeah. If like, I, you can't schedule eight teams, right? Like, get out of here with 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, I think it's interesting they're trying to grow to a national scope, but still be a regional league. I mean, if your region is the entire country, then right. sure you can do right. that. But if you and your marquee can't... team plays on a on a baseball field with with patchwork pitch, like yo, no. Yeah, so I I, no, I, I totally just, uh, agree with you in that right, I think cool. the winner of Division Three and even Division Four, the winners are going to be the ones that set up the most regional thing. And really, more so, that breaks down to what I said is is the same goal. They're just going about it different ways where, you know, sure. you let them have free reign as to whatever the hell they want. These owners are going to, mm. you know, they're going to gravitate toward exactly what makes them the most money, which also, it's not just money. It makes them more successful as a club on a higher level. And so, you know, these guys aren't just going D3 because they it's prestigious right. no i mean i could see chattanooga doing d3 for five ten years and if they grow even bigger they could easily move up to division two somehow if if that's even if there's no pro rel they could just gather the money and make yep. it happen you know right. and so whoever right. can they make that facilitated easiest Charlotte. these owners are going to love them for it right sorry no evan i was just laughing because your your thought on i own two d3 leagues splitting east and west there was a marvel comic that is completely like what you're describing yes. right now where they split the country east and west with iron man and the ruling the east and captain america ruling okay. the west and it was right. pretty much the west was all very wide open and that's what the nisa is trying to be with the east of uso d3 mm-hmm. being very structured very full yep. society and in the I, i'm not gonna draw more parallels but in the com- sure they had the West was struggling to stay financially viable, and you saw the East, they were flourishing because they had that, and they were willing to toss the West a bone. I mean, that was, it's, again, it's a Marvel comic, so they'll probably recreate it another two years, making another movie. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> the, uh, the, the final point I'll make, and then, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap this up, but um, there needs to be, it, well, if there's not a vetting process for ownership in some capacity in these lower level leagues, it's going to get really ugly really quick. Hmm. And we've seen that so many times with, with even, you know, oh, the Austin Aztecs are going to go on hiatus. You know? Who? And they're not back yet. Who? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, let's, uh, let's get out of here. Uh, uh, Phil, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, where can people find you on Twitter? Um, and, and, you know, maybe just talk a little bit about, uh, about what you do for those. Other- yeah, I'm, I just cover St. Louis FC. And so you can find me at STL soccer report on Twitter. My handle, my personal handle is, uh, Phil grooms, P H I L L grooms, G R O O M S. But, um, yeah, most of my stuff's on STL soccer report. That's it. I don't do anything else. Right on, right on. Um, where Ryan um, where can people find you on Twitter? 
And then people... if Phil wanted to catch a flight from St. Louis into Wilmington and like wanted to know the airport. Yeah, obviously it's WIL. Can you, can you provide that yeah. information? Of course, but first I'd probably connect from St. Louis to Charlotte or St. Louis to Atlanta. And... Oh, yeah. So <laughs> STL to, to ATL and STL to CHA, maybe. These these make total sense to me, and then obviously, and then SEO right, to right, and then from there to WIL, right, Ryan? Is that how this works? Right, right, right. Because that's how airport codes work. <laughs> from sure. there to ILM, the airport abbreviation code for oh. Wilmington. You guys can find me on Twitter at ILM underscore Ryan. You can also find me writing for Indominus City Soccer. You know, at you ILM should, underscore Ryan. These guys in Wilmington are I'm just trying all over too Ryan's hard. Point. You guys should seriously. <laughs> There, I'll try to. You should, you should seriously follow what he does in writing because it's ridiculous and it's more proof that he's not a robot, maybe. I don't know. He had to, he had to switch over to two-factor authentication on SB Nation, so, so he's not a robot, clearly. Or um, is he? I will say, Phil, what were you going to do? You know, you were, you were living your life in, in denial and falsehood, um, coming at you like a, like a Catholic priest. But, um, uh, you know, with this whole, oh, it's, it's W-I-L for Wilmington. And it's not. It's ILM. And if you follow Ryan on Twitter, you know that. So, it's true. There used to be a TV you know, station in Wilmington this. that was W-I-L-M. Oh. Mm, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Logic prevails. Uh, anyway. I, logic always, well, <laughs> logic mostly prevails. Uh, <laughs> I, myself, if you, for some reason, want me to talk at you more, um, at Valella, it's my last name, V is in Victor, I-L-L-E-L-L-A, B-S-F-C, like Bethlehem Steel Football Club, the winningest club in Open Cup history, by the way. Um, tied with Maccabi Los Angeles, in fact, with five. Little did you know. Uh, you can follow this podcast, ECC Pod, on, on Twitter. Please do that. That'd be cool. We'll tweet at you or something. We'll, we'll send you a virtual cookie. We'll do that. I'll do that. We'll do that. Great. Um... We're also, uh, both uh, this podcast that you're listening to currently, as well as Phil's St. Louis Soccer Report, we're all a, a part of the, the Beautiful Game Network podcast, which you can find on bgn.fm, um, as well as the BGN FM on Twitter. Uh, so definitely do that, because uh, Phil's show is great. We did a we did a roundtable, which was really cool. It was me, it was Dom from uh, Rising as One Pod, it was Matt from Unused Subs, um, and it was Josh from, from Mongols. Uh, Mongols is there. Backchat is is there. The uh, the, the Switchbacks guys. Um, just some really 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 awesome stuff happening out that way. Um, but uh, but for Phil, for Ryan, uh, this has been Evvalala. Take care, and we'll uh, talk to you guys next Bye, week. Bye everybody. Good stuff.